Tom and Mike. TK, TK in the house. That's three TKs in the house. That's me, myself, and Irene in the house. And you're sitting over there on the opposite side of the glass, glaring at my new blonde highlights. What do you Mm. think? I think... I am one hunk of a man. So I think someone's having a midlife crisis. <laughs> it looks great, pal. You look great. You look just like Steve McQueen when he was in that Mexican hospital trying cancer treatments. Oh, gosh. <laughs> You're awful. And then look, you want to talk awful? Here, I got a real what's this world coming to story. The state of Washington could be the first state to legalize using human remains as compost amid a drive for positive Green funerals. Think about that. I hate that idea. Natural organic reduction will allow human remains to be turned into compost. The bill cites research which claims human remains would be safe for use in residential gardens and it would smell just like regular soil. The founder of Recompose, the company, plans to use wood chips, (laughs) alfalfa, and straw to turn bodies into topsoil. I don't want my Uncle Hugh on top of my tomatoes yes those roses are beautiful hey they should be we stuck granny in there there you go but uh, so you don't like this idea i hate this idea no wait a minute are you talking about people that have been cremated no they're going to decompose the old way you know you put them in a a bin and turn them every couple days for six weeks oh can you imagine the stench (laughs) behind that Mike, that's just awful. What state is this? Washington. Oh, Note to self, do not eat any produce coming from Washington. Yeah, absolutely. No, seriously. Once you get over the aesthetic shock, it seems like a practical way when you think about it, right? I hate this idea. Cemeteries are getting overcrowded. They're costly to put a person in a coffin. You got to pay for all the thing. I don't know. It's not that different from cremation, is it? I hate this idea. (laughs) Did I say that before? (laughs) Yes, you did. Hey, look, the Vikings burn their dead at sea. Native Americans burn their dead on sacred pyres. So what's wrong with this? I hate this idea. (laughs) Don't you think it'd be less of a hassle if we just simply buried people in wicker baskets? Wicker baskets? (laughs) Or or a wicker wicker casket, I mean. I don't know. Oh, man. Now, here's the question. Will I be able to buy this at my local Home Depot? Let's hope not. (laughs) Just give me the good old-fashioned chemicals. That's what I want. I'm torn. I think it saves people money. I think, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Isn't that what it all came from? But then again, you are the guy that pees on his tomatoes. Right. So how bad it could be? Now we're putting regular human beings in our compost pile. So next time you buy something that's truly organic, you might want to rethink that whole scenario, right? Oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, that's what makes this job so wonderful. Every day you come, you look at stuff to talk about, and it never lets you down, does it? (laughs) And sometimes you really do just have to ask yourself, what's this world coming to? Dot com. Tom and Mike. Over the years, have you had trouble with your passwords? Yes, of course. Every day. You know, somebody once told me that I should keep a folder full of passwords, right? Right. So what happens when somebody hacks into my computer and they get the folder, right? I'd write it down, buddy. There's no safety. No safety. I mean, it's one thing. I mean, everybody has like passwords to get in your computer, to get in your bank account. You can't remember them all. You have to write them down. I don't put anything in the computer. I write them down. So there's always a, a paper trail. I don't write anything down. I just make my passwords easy. 
Like one, two, three, four. <laughs> Wait a minute. Don't, don't say that. Don't say that. Because a cybersecurity group came together and they came up with the 10 worst passwords that are a hacker's dream. Is that dream. on the top 10? Yes, it is. <laughs> Here are the top 10. These are a hacker's dream. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> the word password, one, 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 one. Hmm. ABC, one, two, three. Password, one. One, two, three, four. <laughs> okay. All right. We get the zero, 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 zero. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they say, and also certain first names like sports teams, swear words, and variations of the of the word password or a series simple of numbers were the ones most commonly breached. They suggest, now you take this in, Thomas, put this down in your little peeps of paper. You should combine three random but memorable words like Kent, dog, killer. <laughs> Killer Kent Dog. Right. Okay. That's my new password, everybody. Or your new radio name. <laughs> Killer Kent Dog. Okay. That does make me sound badass, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And I think you should put that picture you showed me on and let people see because that is badass. Oh, the bullet picture? Yes, you are, baby. You I, are one bad... I work with one badass mama mofo. <laughs> what you talking about? Willis? Hey, uh... Now, this is such a timely article. <laughs> this is such a timely article. For 1998, having multiple passwords doesn't seem to stop hackers, but it sure stops me. Doesn't it stop you? Yeah, everything stops me. Well, I know what you've told me many, many times. Passwords are like underwear. You should change them regularly. You shouldn't put them out where other people can see them and never let other people give them out to strangers, right? Words to live by. It's really tough sometimes. You go to these bank things where you want to get a new password. They make it so hard. Your password must contain an uppercase letter, a number, a gang symbol, a, a hieroglyphic, and a squirrel noise. And by the way, thank you for sharing with me your password, which is, <laughs> you ready? What? You know what it is. Come what on. is it? Should I tell everybody go what ahead. it is? Yeah. You can go ahead and change it. I will. Biden 2020. There you go. <laughs> Here's how stupid I was. Back in the day when they said I needed a password with eight characters, I picked Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Can you name all eight dwarfs? Sleepy, wimpy, snoozy. Three out of eight ain't Gr bad. Wait, wait, wait. Grumpy, sexy. This is important and, stuff. And horny, right? Is that it? Did I get it? No, I don't think horny's in there. <laughs> it should be. They were little horny devils, weren't they? They were. Why do you think Snow White had a smile on her face all <laughs> no, the time? You, here comes the Snow White jokes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that woman. She was a little bit of a tramp, I think. Mm. Living with seven men. Midgets, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, those midgets. <laughs> The, no, they're, hey, they're little people now. They are. We don't call them midgets anymore. You know, I have this where's your political correctness, my man? <laughs> I don't know. But I have this bad dream all the time. I think I get to the pearly gates and Peter says, username and password, please. I don't know what it is. Yeah, see, you got to go back. Ugh. So, but I mean, seriously, how many passwords do you think you have in your life? No clue. At least nine or 10, right? It's up there. Is everyone different? I tend to use the same one for like three or four of them. Now, see, somebody's going to come after you. Well, come after me, baby, because I got you, Mr. Badass, with your badass muscle car. And, and by the way, that picture of me and my bullet, yep. I just put up on Facebook, so you might want to check it out. Yeah, baby, check out this badass I work with, Badass Kent. Truck and Tom, <laughs> Truck and Tom, Badass Kent. I like right. it. I like it. Tom and Mike. Now, they got together a group of wedding photographers to come up and talk about weddings. And they came up with the eight moments when they felt they knew the couple would end up divorced. Can you come up with any of them, do you think? 
somebody smashed the cake too hard in somebody <laughs> else's it. face. That is the, that is the number one. That's the number one thing. It cake is the, the number fa- one thing? Cake in the face ritual. If anyone forces cake all over the face, the marriage has ended in divorce. They say it's okay to just <laughs> gently, you know, put some icing or something. But when they really see it, smash it in there. They say that's a telltale sign. Oh, wow. Number two, all of the music. The bigger the country hit they dance to, the shorter the marriage. Really? And a lot of those country songs are all about cheating, right? Right. (laughs) Couples using obscure songs seem to last longer. Number three, eyes on the prize. When they see couples before and after the wedding, not focused on the bride or the groom, they say there's not going to be a long marriage. Number four, just some things you can't fix. They sell red flags whenever the bride or groom was super quiet or just watching all the time. You know, like the wedding should be a happy time. People should be all over the place talking and enjoying. But they see one of the two just sitting there, not getting into anything. Yeah, they're fighting, right? Right. (laughs) Not good. Another, number five, here's a bad omen. There's one particular venue, they do this photo shoot where they say that's 100% divorce rate. Yeah, what's that? Well, they didn't mention it, but let's just say it's probably some cheesy little, you know, place that they didn't pay much for, but they say that it's a, it's a bad omen. Number six, who the hell says that when someone continues to say uncomfortable things? I guess they either say the bride or the groom. Number seven, the wedding reception goes horribly wrong, where both or one of them get too drunk. And the last one, oh, that's awkward. Big red flag, where the groom asks the dad, how you doing? The dad shrugs and says, Hell, I'm here. And the groom replies, yeah, I feel the same way. (laughs) Man, oh, man. You know, when when I got married, I had a friend who was in a blues band, and he saved us a lot of money, and they performed. You know how, like, the first song is the best romantic song you should be with, your wife dancing? Right. You know what this guy played for our song? B.B. King's The Thrill Is Gone. Oh, no. <laughs> How inappropriate was that? No, I didn't pay attention at the time. But my wife later said, why did Kevin play that song? Yeah, that's got to be a bad omen right there. The Thrill Is Gone. Wow. So it's time to get married. <laughs> that's the flip side of that hit. Or if you get married, never play Achy Breaky Heart followed by Earl by the Dixie Chicks. That'd be a bad song. Yeah, that'd be bad. Oh, man. Do you remember what was the first song you danced with Karen to? I think it might have been September by Earth, Wind, and Fire, which oh, really? always gets people going. You know, I don't think we started the wedding with, uh, oh, come to think of it, no, that was not the song. I can't remember. You know why? Why? Because she's Polish, and we had a Polish wedding. Right. And so it was some polka song <laughs> that got everybody dancing. So we had a certified polka band perform at our wedding. I think our wedding was more about the parents than us, to be honest with you. But, hey, it was fun. I loved it. And even though a few of these polka band members were missing teeth, it was still fantastic. Weird Al wasn't there, was he, playing? No. (laughs) They also said that the more extravagant the wedding, the sooner the marriage will end. Do you ever feel that way? No. That's on the list? No, but they talked about that. They said that a lot of times— Okay, but he didn't make the list. No. You know, this is my own personal one. I think it never bodes well if the bride stuffs her own face with cake. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That that always works. Or if your spouse is browsing Tinder at the reception. That's a bad sign. That's a bad sign. Oh, buddy. Tom and Mike. Now listen to this. In Seattle, 
they're trying to do something for the taxi drivers because they're losing a lot of customers to Lyft and Uber. So they want their taxi drivers to be a little bit, you know, just have all the things they could have to make them better taxi drivers. So they're sending them to class. It's called Charm School. And it costs these guys $60 and it comes out of their own pocket. It's a four-hour course. And drivers will learn techniques for connecting with customers in a positive way, leaving a good impression to ensure repeat business. And after completing the class, they'll receive a certificate they could proudly display in their cabs. How about that? So you're going to send these cabbies from Becca, Becca, Beckistan <laughs> to Charm School? That's right, baby. <laughs> you know, these drivers are essentially business owners, and it shows the care, how deeply they care to make themselves successful. I believe that, right? How about just sending them to a shower? <laughs> You know, they have phones now in taxis. There's an app. If you leave your phone in a taxi, there's an app for that. It'll help you find it. Of course, it'll be, like you said, in Pakistan or India. But at least you'll know where it is, right? Correct. <laughs> you know, they heard about this in New York. The cabbies calling it charm school. You know what charm school in New York cabbies? It's learning to point with a middle finger by flipping off another driver with the other finger. That's charming. <laughs> Lesson one for a charm school in New York, soap and toothpaste. That's very important. Yeah. I think I was onto something there. You know what the th- hygiene the, number one. You know what when a, when a guy gets in a taxi, you know what the three favorite words they can hear from a passenger? What's that? Follow that car. Ah. <laughs> Do you talk to cabbies when you get in the cab? No, I'm looking at my phone. Uh, I'd like to talk to them, especially when we're in Europe and we go and talk. You know, it's easy to talk that way. I was in a taxi. The driver said, "I love my job. I'm my own boss. No one tells him what to do." Then I said, "Take a left here." <laughs> so I don't know. I love cabbies. It's a tough way to make a living. You never know if you're going to have a gun stuck to your head. You know? Yeah, I, I would imagine it's a it's a hard ride. And now they're all this competition with the Uber, Uber and Lyft. Although that's a great name. What L- Uber? Uber. <laughs> It's a little bit of a slippery ride, but we like Luber instead of Uber. And how about you? We just slide right out of the seat. And I like to be a cabbie and look in the back seat and a couple's having sex. They're not even wearing seat belts. How about that? Yeah, see? You, you, you it's so pl- unsafe. Unsafe sex. Oh, <laughs> Luber. Get in my Luber. Tom and Mike. Now, you're going to love this story. You always say that. Well, you're going because I know you're going to like this one because it's a little bit religious, and I know you you love religion. Now, a newly published book, previously declassified by the CIA, has just been allowed to come out. It was written in 1966, but it stayed classified for all these years. It's called the Adam and Eve story, and this was done by a UFO Air Force worker researcher, and he claims Jesus was a scholar who lived in India and was abducted by UFOs after crucifixion. That's so bizarre. Why would it be kept secret by the CIA? I don't. He lived in a Naga tribe in northern India for almost 18 years in the period, and this is this, of his life, that which is not mentioned in the Bible. So what happened in those 18 years? And it says that the book, he claims that Jesus was abducted by two angels in a space vehicle on Easter Sunday. I can buy that, can't you? No, I think he ascended into heaven. L. Ron, is that you? L. Ron? L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> I'll have what he's having. Uh, I haven't heard that name in a while. No, I can't understand this. Wasn't Jesus born in England, that little town of Birmingham? No, I think you have that confused with Bethlehem. You obviously would not qualify for one of the wise men. No, I wouldn't. 
You know, it's not true unless you read in the National Enquirer. Always true? Always true. Especially all that positive stuff I love to read about Trump. Now, uh, we laugh at this, okay? But is this any less believable than the Immaculate Reception conception? Oh, come on. Seriously. Let me ask you this. Go ahead. If there's a God. Yes. And he's able to do anything. He's omnipotent. Yes. So he's everywhere. He has unlimited knowledge, unlimited power. He is the force of the universe that holds everything together. He is the beginning, the end, and everything in between, the alpha, the omega. Why couldn't you believe all these other things? Mm-hmm. First off, you have to start with the little mustard seed of faith, the premise that you know he is who he says he is, the great I am. And then from that point on, the physical realm and all of its properties and Okay, so we talked about this before, I know. Right. You don't actually see the wind, but you see the effects of the wind, correct? Right. Okay, so why couldn't you see the same thing in the supernatural ability of God Almighty? We're getting so deep. I know, and I'll just say it again. I don't understand if there was a God, how he lets so much terrible things happen in the world. You know, little babies with leukemia, terrorist bombings that kill 400 people. I don't know. We're not going to answer this, but but I just think Easter would be a lot cooler if this was public information about this this story about Jesus being abducted by the UFOs. Yeah, that that's just a bunch of hogwash. Oh, so you're not going to get that book? It's called The Adam and Eve Story. As our good friend Joe Biden would say, a bunch of malarkey. There you go. Tom and Mike. I don't know if you know this, Thomas, but Mississippi is the only state with a Confederate symbol in their flag. I didn't know that. Well, it's changed. They've just changed it. Their new flag symbol will feature 19 stars in a circle around a large center star and a red stripe on either side. The lone star represents Mississippi. And I didn't know this. as the 20th state to join the union. And now they want to put a slogan together and they're asking for, first of all, n- nobody in Mississippi hears this, do they? <laughs> oh, yeah. We have a lot of listeners in Mississippi, so you better watch what you say. <laughs> because they're asking for slogans and I've come up with you and tell me what you think. Okay, okay be careful one? because, you know, we do have listeners in Mississippi. All right, now here's a slogan. How about Mississippi spelled M-I-S-I-S-I-P-I? And then underneath you could write, now, 28% easier to spell. Oh, just drop a P. No, you drop two S's and a P. Okay. You know, the last time I dropped two S's and a P, <laughs> I felt so much better. <laughs> I bet you did. Tom and Mike.